Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday evening, beginning at 6 p.m. Central, right here in Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Each week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. Starting March 7th, I'll be adding the Coach's Corner panel to the mix, beginning the show with a great discussion, followed by an insightful interview with this evening's guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's special guest. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. And just a a quick correction on that intro, Uh, it's actually March 5th, not March 7th, uh, when Coach's Corner will begin. Once again, I'm looking forward, very excited to be on air, and and, uh, looking forward to a great season here on Golf Talk Live. And again, uh, Coach's Corner will begin actually on March 5th, so make sure you keep tuning in. Uh, i got a great guest this evening. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. It's, uh, of course, David Lee, a uh, former PGA Tour professional and the creator of Gravity Golf Training System. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a second, but I want to just uh, a, a quick note to the advertiser. Uh, of course, I'm talking to uh, about iGolf Sports Network. Uh, iGolf Sports Network, uh, or iGolfSports.com for short, is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming design specifically to attract the golfing enthusiast. Um, I'm really, really excited, as I said, uh, and it is going to be launched here soon. It's going to be a little bit later. Uh, my intended target date, if you will, was early May, but it looks like I'm going to have to push it back. And I will explain to you in a couple of weeks uh, as I unload, if you will, or unpack a recent acquisition that's just come uh, to, uh, to light here. I can't tell you about it quite yet until all the final strokes have, have been uh, uh, and uh, T's uh, crossed and I's dotted, if you will. But uh, I think you'll be very, very excited about uh, uh, some of the uh, latest things going on here, uh, not only with the program, but uh, with me in person. And uh, I'm very, very excited about that. But I will be actually uh, letting you know a little bit more about that uh, as we uh, uh, progress, probably on March 5th. So um, glad you joined me this night. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my guest, and I'm going to bring him on live here on air. Uh, as I mentioned, my special guest this evening is David Lee. He's a, a former PJ Tour professional who has spent over 40 years uh, researching and perfecting golf methodology. Uh, he is the creator of Gravity Golf, a training system that has earned him accolades from PGA pros, scientists, students, and national golf publications. Some of his career highlights, uh, he's been listed 12 times as Golf Magazine uh, Top 100 Teacher, uh, author of Gravity Golf, The Evolution and Revolution of Golf Instruction. Uh, he's been featured in uh, several publications by ESPN, Golf Digest, Golf Magazine, and Golf Week. And he's featured uh, speaker at three uh, neuroscience conventions and worked with over 30 major tournament players. Uh, he himself also played on the PJ Tour uh, for four years, and uh, he has been teaching golf for over 40 years. So obviously a veteran of the business. And uh, please help me welcome my very special guest this evening, David Lee. Good evening, David. Ted, good evening to you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I, I appreciate it. That's that's quite a list of accomplishments. Well, in 40 years, you should be able to do something. Yeah, you've you've got it. Uh, you've got it for sure. And let me just tell the folks too. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, specifically what uh, Gravity Golf is, 
and uh, and some of the components, if you will, to to your training system. And then a little bit later on, you've actually got a special offer, which I will announce here for the listeners here on Golf Talk Live. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, I want to get into, let's talk about gravity golf. So let's first, I guess the most obvious question is, what is gravity golf? Gravity golf is a term that I've put to the golf swing of various individuals that hit the golf ball mainly with their mass instead of their muscle people on the PGA Tour that appear to have little or no effort in their swings. People like Freddie or Ernie Els, Louis Oosthuizen, and, of course, Jack and Trevino, uh, you know, from my era. But these are players that have inadvertently learned how to move the golf ball with their pounds instead of their muscles. When you watch Freddie's golf swing, uh, it takes no more effort to hit the golf ball than what it appears when you watch him do it. It really is that easy, but people don't realize that there is a very explicit recipe for being able to do that in the golf swing. The players that have the easiest golf swings have learned or developed a feeling for partnering perfectly partnering with gravity to reduce the effort that they use when they hit a golf ball. It's like a fashion model uses a fashion model when she walks uses a double counterfall and it's a gravity fed glide. The German soldier uses no gravity when he walks and stands vertically and the walk is all muscular. There's no gravity helping that move. The rotary the reason the rotary place kick overtook the straightaway kick in football is because it's a gravity-fed move where the player, the kicker, lands on his plant foot. He deflects to an off-vertical position. You can see them lean to the left. That releases the body's core into effortless rotation. This is why these little European soccer-style kickers uh, overtook the field goal uh, totally in football in a very short period of time because the physics of what they were doing were better. They actually kicked it with the weight of their entire body where a straightaway kicker just kicks it with the weight of his leg. Let me ask you, David, um, and, and let's sort of go back a little bit. Obviously, you've taught for, for many, many years as well as being a player, um, and and your analogy with, with gravity golf is very interesting. What, at what point did you discover that there was a difference and, and, and sort of had a, a general understanding of how this sort of came to be? How did it sort of, in your mind, when did you first discover this? Um, was this something very early on, or was this something over years of, of development? Well, when I grew, I grew up uh, swinging the golf club like Arnold Palmer. He was my hero as a kid. And I hit it with the strength of my shoulders and arms for years. And I was I was a good player doing that, uh, played like that for the first 25 years I played. And I started when I was four. So when I, when I got on the tour, however, in 1970, I used to sit. And my, my ball as an upper body player was always looking for the first exit in the left rough when I'd hit a tee shot. 
And when I watched Jack and Trevino and Tom Weisskopf hit golf balls, which I did for hours, their golf ball did not even look like it was thinking about going left. They hit it like a like a bullet, straight as it could be, or with a slight fade. The ball had a completely different sound. And I asked them, how do you get that kind of ball compression and flight on the golf ball and look so effortless doing it? And they'd look at me and just shrug their shoulders and go, well, that's just the way we hit it. And I thought, well, these guys know something about hitting a golf ball that I don't know, and they're obviously not telling me. I've had the opportunity uh, later in my career to work extensively with Jack and Trevino both. And the truth was that they stumbled into the feeling of using their mass instead of their muscles. The press has asked Freddie a thousand times how he hits the ball so solidly with so little effort and he says guys don't ask me not only do I not know how it works I don't want to know I'm afraid if I start thinking about it <laughs> it would go away right. <laughs> but right. he, he, they all of them definitely feel how to use their core mass to move the golf ball instead of their strength in Freddie's mind at the top of the backswing he doesn't see the ball on the ground to his way of thinking, the ball's on the end of the club. He just counterfalls, which is what releases his core mass into effortless rotation. And he just sl- turns, drops his arms, and turns and slings the ball from the club. The pickup of the ball is totally incidental to the movement. There is no attempt whatsoever to make a union between the club and the ball which is unlike 99% of everybody that plays golf. We all learn by drawing back and trying to hit the golf ball with the club. As soon as you do that, the consequences of doing that, I could talk to you about for 30 minutes. (laughs) So let me just ask you then, because obviously, uh, you know, again, in addition to playing golf yourself, you've obviously taught for, for many, many years. And, you know, we've heard of every methodology that you can imagine out there. Um, and they all profess to have um, the sort of the secret sauce, if you will, to hitting better golf shots. So in your mind, what is different about gravity golf and, and what you're talking about here tonight from what we typically see in golf instruction? Well, typically golf instruction nowadays is uh, is taught with a lot of positions. Uh, in my opinion, the p- positions in the golf swing are very important, but the truth is, is that they're different for every individual. If you walk into an anatomy lab and you see 40 skeletons hanging there, the bones can all be the same, but every one of the skeletons look different. And the reason for that is, as your bones take their set as a child, they bend different ways. They don't, they're not all in the same alignment. So the way your bones take their set and the way your mass is distributed on your frame will dictate that there's an ideal swing plane for your physiology that's unique to you and to no one else. You can recognize Turing pros from 300 yards away just by watching them move. 
Mm-hmm. So nobody on the planet can get into your body and feel your range of motion. So no one can tell you exactly where your ideal swing plane is. Now, we have different drills that we've developed over the years that will show you how to find your perfect plane, but that if you practice correctly, you'll be able to find the plane that's ideal for your physiology. And we use a we use a whole series of drills over the years since I began teaching we've developed more and my son has developed a bunch as well. We've developed more than probably 130 different drills. Most of them have been discarded. But now we use three or four fundamental drills and some variations off those. And the objective of the drills, what the drills do is they work like an MRI or like an, like an X-ray on your golf swing so that if you have any energy in your swing that's being internalized back into your body, you become very sensitive to the impropriety of doing that. Everyone across the board starts the game of golf drawing back and trying to find the ball with their arms in the downswing. When you do that, most of the energy goes to the golf ball But when your arms and shoulders flex coming down, some of the energy goes back into your body. Leverage works just like electricity. It'll it'll go two ways through the wire. It'll come up through your body and out through your arms. Or if you tighten coming down, some of the leverage goes back into you. Any energy that you send back into your own system during the downswing causes a plane change. The third law says for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So the reaction to the flex comes in the form of a path shift. That's what causes people to go over the top in the mm-hmm. downswing. And what happens when your plane shifts in the downswing, the brain begins to subconsciously make compensations for the path shift. Compensations will be a change in alignment. 90-plus percent of everyone that I see who's right-handed lines up slightly to the right to compensate for a path shift that changes the plane to the left. They can compensate through alignment, through weakening the grip, through moving the ball back in the stance to pick it up earlier in the swing, make all sorts of postural compensations. And the worst part is that the compensations develop at a subconscious level. If you went out on the tour and you asked the top 100 money winners, how do you compensate for energy that you internalize during the downswing, they'd look at you and go, what in the world are you talking about? I don't do that. And every one of them do it to some degree. Right. Well, and, and, you know, just going on to uh, about instruction in general, you know, as I said briefly, you know, there are there have been so many methodologies. And I think one of the problems, and I, I think you could probably agree with this, is that everybody in the profession uh, over some period of time has tried to sort of put everybody uh, in, in one box or the other. So, you know, if, if you're promoting one particular style of, of golf swing, let's say, as an example, 
um, you know, you're trying to pattern that, if you will, uh, over everybody. But the, the point that you made earlier is, is very, very sound, and that is because we all are uniquely different, you really can't do that effectively. I mean, you might be able to target and, and maybe a percentage of, of golfers out there might be able to adapt to a certain methodology. But one of the issues and one of the complaints with, you know, students, because I teach golf as well, is that, you know, I can't do what so-and-so does. And I think trying to compare yourself as an example to a Freddie Couples, I can't swing like Freddie Couples or I can't swing like Jack Nicholas. So I have to swing um, like Ted does. And, and but, conversely, but still, you, know, you right. but still, you can use the gravity swing very effectively. It will just look different right. in you than it looks in those guys. If you look at right. Jack and Trevino and Chi Chi and Freddie, you're looking at four people whose physiology is totally different, yet they all right. apply power the same way. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's so, what I'm saying is they they look yeah. different. Yeah. You're exactly. They look different, but the the core, if you will, of of the golf swing is essentially the same. And, and that's the point I was trying to make is that, you know, I think that too many people. And you mentioned earlier about positions. I think too many people have also tried to get people to work into certain positions, and it's actually been very very um, confusing for the average golfer. So, for the listeners out there, David, what I'd like for you to do is maybe. Uh, offer a, a, a tip, if you will, that, that golfers can do the next time they're out in the golf course that would really help lower their scores. I mean, we hear tips all the time, but based on what you know through Ga- Gravity Golf, what is something that uh, our average uh, golfers out there could maybe uh, incorporate into their golf game? Well, I can give you a couple of great tips. One of the best ways you can practice, whether it's for your short game or your full swing, to practice swinging with your feet crossed. Put your right. If you're right-handed, you put your right foot over your left foot. Your right foot will be about your feet will be touching, but your right foot will be about four inches ahead of your left foot to where your feet notch together. When you when you cross your feet, you shrink your safety envelope, and if you add muscle during the downswing, the brain really picks up on the impropriety of doing that because as soon as you tighten your muscles in a cross-footed position, your balance will be instantly compromised. The cross-footed drills teach you a whole laundry list of things in the swing. They teach you the proper posture. They teach you correct ball position. They teach you how to set the club into motion both arms and club into motion correctly. They teach you the origin of the start of the swing. They teach you the counterfall, which starts the downswing. They teach you how to drop your arms perfectly in the delivery. So you've got a a whole litany of things that are taught by cross-foot drills. They'll teach you everything in the golf swing except the weight shift, which is for maximum power, and we have other drills for doing that. And the best drill you can use for finding your ideal plane is to hit your and to apply power correctly is to practice hitting your driver off the deck. Modern day drivers are not designed to be hit off the ground. They have a high center of mass, but right. you still, if you're if you're in an ideal swing path and you're swinging correctly. 
you can hit the ball not only up in the air, if your wrists are in a state of pure tension-free release, you can draw it. So when you practice hitting a driver off the ground, you want to practice swinging the club with speed, and you want to practice trying to draw it. Now, I don't mean a pull. I mean you want to start it at your intended start line and make the ball right. turn over softly to hit a driver off the ground hard and to draw it takes an absolutely technically perfect swing to do that. So if you get out, and it's, it's frustrating initially when you do it, but if you get out and, and work on it till you can do it, you will have found the swing that is the plane that's ideal for your physiology. It's probably one of the, out of out of all the drills that I've ever come up with, that is probably in my opinion, maybe one of the very best drills that you can do that is done in a normal-looking mode. You know, and it also goes to, I think, David, and you really sort of touched on that, and that is to get out there and work on it. I think a lot of golfers, the biggest mistake they get out is, you know, whenever they're trying something, you know, uh, whatever it may be uh, with their coach or their, their teaching pro, is they give up too easily. They, they tend to, you know, maybe hit a few balls and maybe work on it once or twice. And then the next lesson they come back, they, they really, I tend, think, tend to be frustrated because they're not really willing to put in the time. And I think that's, that's critical regardless of what you're, you're doing in your golf game, whether it's a short game or the full swing, as you suggest. You've got to be willing to commit and put the time in uh, to improve because it's not going to happen overnight. Some it comes a little easier too, as we know, um, you know, we've seen players on the tour that have, uh, um, you know, like a Freddie Couples or, or an Ernie Els. It, it's very, very smooth and very effort looking. Um, but I guarantee it, they've worked at their games over the years. I want to, uh, before we, uh, we give your um, offer to the listeners out there, I thought since you've mentioned actually the three of them here, uh, I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about, because uh, you've given lessons to uh, these three, uh, Trevino, uh, Rodriguez, and Nicholas, Talk a little bit about what it was like to give lessons to, to each of them. Well, the thing that most people find when they try to teach guys like Jack or Trevino is that they can be incredibly intimidating uh, to be around those guys trying to tell them anything because they're very, very advanced in their ability. But, you know, typically when I watch those guys – I don't have to work them in a drill mode. I can see things in their normal golf swings where they may be internalizing a little bit of energy. And uh, well, I'll tell you about the first time I ever worked on Trevino. If you if you've got a few minutes, sure. But it was it was in at the uh, Suncoast uh, Classic in Tampa, and I was I was out on the driving range on Thursday, and about ten o'clock in the morning, everyone had teed off during the pro am, and Trevino comes out and he's he goes out onto the tee, wasn't playing in the pro am that day for some reason, and nobody else was on the tee. There were no spectators, no other players out there. And I walked out there with him, and he, he saw me walk out there, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. He just 
he goes, "Hey, bro," and I said, "Howie," and uh, you know he didn't he didn't say anything else. He just started hitting golf balls. His caddy was there with him, and nobody else. It wasn't uh, I've forgotten his name. His his famous caddy that he had. This was a, another guy, but uh, oh, Herman. Herman, yeah, it wasn't Herman. But uh, he was he was hitting a seven iron, and I watched him hit maybe twenty golf balls. And about every fourth fourth or fifth shot he hit, he's trying to hit this little soft cut shot. And about every fourth or fifth ball he hit, he pulled it slightly. And I could see that he was irritated about it. And I I hadn't said a word to him, you know, because he's always been really tough on instructors. You know, he's claimed he never had an instructor in his life. And I said, Lee, have you been injured? And boy, his head snapped around. He said, why did you ask that? And I said, well, I spend every day of my life teaching your golf swing to other people. said, I know it better than I know my own. And he said... Yeah, I just came off neck surgery about a month ago. And I said, well, I knew something was different there. I said, would you would you like a little tip? And boy, it got real quiet. <laughs> Suddenly it was like, <laughs> no, get the hell out of here and leave me alone. And he stood there for, oh, for probably 10 seconds, which seemed like about an hour. And he said, What? And I said, well, any time you have had some kind of an injury like that, it affects the depth of your shoulder turn. It will keep you from getting into the counterfall and being able to lead the golf swing with your body. And I said, what you need to do, you've you've lost some of your, a little bit of your flexibility and depth in your shoulder turn. If you'll increase the speed in the start of your backswing, just the start of your swing a little more powerfully and it will overcome the resistance that you've got in your shoulder turn it'll help get you into the counterfall he stepped up to the next ball and he heaved it a little bit harder and just hit a perfect little cut fade did it again and again and again never he hit 25 balls never pulled another one he turned and looked at me he says I absolutely cannot believe that you could see that. <laughs> I said, well, I told yeah. you, I spend every day of my life teaching your gospel. And he <laughs> said, well, you're going to start working with me. And he he brought me down to Hope Sound then, and I've worked worked on him, oh, several times since then. We taught a, he and uh, my son Danny and I taught a, Golf, uh, two-day golf school at Cherokee Country Club in Atlanta uh, sometime after that and had a great time. He did a wonderful, wonderful job with the people uh, as far as entertaining them and interacting with them. It was a really, really fun event. But uh, he's he's got one of those really unusual but absolutely fabulous golf swings. People, he's never been given the credit for the quality of his golf swing, same as same as Miller Barber. You know, I right. had spent some time working on him. In fact, I talked with Miller about oh, a couple of years before he passed away, 
and he told me, he said, you know, the greatest compliment that I ever got on my golf swing, he said, I was out practicing one day, and Hogan walk up, walked up to me, and he said, X, he said, you have made me totally rethink the golf swing. And he said that was all he said, and he walked off. But he said, to me, that was the greatest compliment I'd ever had on my swing. You know, it's interesting, um, you know, about Lee, and you're exactly right. I think a lot of people, when they watched him, and especially by today's standards, I mean, he's obviously gotten, um, you know, a, a lot more recognition as the years went on, especially when he got out in the Champions Tour. I think people really got a chance to see him um, and how his swing really held up. But by today's standards, when you look at the pros, that, you know, everything looks sort of picture perfect. And, you know, if you were, if you didn't know him in today's market as an instructor and you saw, you know, mind you, a younger Lee out on, on the golf course uh, or out at the practice tee hitting the way he does, um, or swinging the way he does, rather, I think you'd be scratching your head and say, you know, there, there's a lot of work here. But you're right. I mean, I, I remember years ago, um, you know, watching him at the Canadian Open when, when Herman was on the bag. And, um, I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, again, he had the most unorthodox, or certainly one of the most unorthodox swings I'd ever seen. Uh, but, I mean, he would put the, the ball wherever he wanted to go. It went. And, um, you know, people enjoyed watching him. And, of course, uh, you know, he, he was a, uh, somebody that, that was able to, you know, obviously joke around a lot on the golf course. And I'm amazed that you were able to, to get him to stop talking for more than, than a minute because, um, you know, that's unlike him uh, personally. He was always a talker. But um, it, very interesting story. And, and you know, it, it goes to, uh, again, as an instructor for you, how – you know, in tune you are with the players uh, and able to pick up something like that because that's obviously something that most of them uh, out there probably would never come across. So that's uh, that's a testament to your uh, your abilities. Um, let's of all talk the, about of all the players that of all the players that I ever had the opportunity to work with, and especially the, of the major champions. Uh, I've never been around anybody that was more sensitive to what their body was doing than Lee Trevino. He's amazing. He's very, very bright individual. And well, I remember watching on him. He's a lot of fun to work on, really, because anything you ask him to do, he can do it right now. You don't have to sit around and wait till he figures things out. You just tell him what to do, and he can do it right then. Yeah, he used to. I used to love watching, um, you know, some of his tips when he again went out on the Champions Tour, and uh, you know they would have, uh, you know, pros would come, and he would always have some some really interesting tips, and um, you know, I, I think what I like about the golfers of that generation, uh, as you pointed out earlier, is they were all very unique. Um, today, it, it's it's very homogenized. It looks, you know, it, it's like. You know, uh, golf has churned out almost a machine, if you will, in, in, in today's modern players. And to me, you don't really see the individuality the same as you did, you know, 20, 30, 40 years and, and beyond. Um, and and uh, to me, I, I kind of missed that. It, it made it very interesting. Now, you know, they all look kind of the same. I mean, obviously, to the trained eye, you're going to notice differences, but um, they're all pretty much the same looking 
style of swing for the most part. And, uh, you know, to me, that sort of individuality seems to have, in my opinion, has been lost a little bit. Um, now, you've worked with some others. What, what about Nicholas? What were some things that you, you noticed about Jack? Um, you know, obviously, here you are dealing with the greatest player in the world, uh, arguably. But uh, what were some things that, that he really had struggles with? Uh, Jack, well, the last, the last great lesson that I had with Jack and I worked on, on him several times was that, uh, was that it was also at Tampa. It was in 1998, about two weeks before he finished sixth at the masters, um, which was his, you know, he would have won. That would have been his, what, his seventh time of winning it. Right. Um, he was he was 58 years old. We were on the we were on the practice tee. I had been down. Uh, this was Saturday night before the last round in in '98 at the Suncoast Classic, and I was on the right hand side of the practice tee working on J.C. Snape. Jack was on the other on the other corner of the tee. Uh, hitting balls, everyone else was gone. It was late in the day. The range was about to close. I finished up working with uh, JC. Nobody was watching him practice, and I walked down. I had to walk past Jack to get to the parking lot to get to my car, and he had a bleacher right behind him with about 400 people sitting in that bleacher, and he was up close to the bleacher. And I walked down there, and Rod Curl, who was a good friend of mine, was standing there watching hit Jack or watching Jack hit golf balls, and Jack's caddy Eric was over laying against his golf bag. Nobody was in front of the gallery ropes except the two of them. And I I walked down. Jack looked up at me and he goes, "Hello, David." I mean, he was in a really grumpy grumpy mood. And hence hence the golden bear. Hello. Yeah, I said, hello, Jack. You know, it wasn't, how are you, how are Cricket and the kids? Nice to see you. No no, no chit-chat. He's standing there hitting the five iron at a little bitty green out in the range, and I watched him hit maybe 20 golf balls, and he was he was not striking it well. About every third or fourth shot, he pulled it dead left of this green, and he was he was not happy. He after after two rounds, he was in like tenth place in the tournament, and he wasn't asking for any help that particular day. So you don't just offer a lesson to Jack unless you're invited. So uh, I, I baited him. I'm standing right in front of him. I mean, Rod and I are shoulder to shoulder, right. You know, right in front of him. And right. I squatted down on the ground, and I motioned to Rod to squat down beside me, which he did. And I put my hand up in front of my mouth as Jack's about to draw back on the shot. And I was pointing to his left foot and whispering to Rod with my hand up in front of my mouth. And it was just like an E.F. Hutton commercial. Jack is looking... He, He's looking at the ball, but he sees me out of his peripheral vision, and he just—he's about to draw back, and he just stops, and he leans over and puts his hand up to his ear, 
and as loud as he could yell, he goes, what? <laughs> Everybody in the bleacher jumps a foot off their chair. I mean, you could hear the whole crowd collectively gasp. He yelled so loud that I almost fell over backwards. It, start, it startled the daylights out of everybody. But now he's opened a door. So I said, Jack, when you're moving back into your left side, you're keeping tension in the arch of your left foot. You're using it for stability, preventing you from dropping back onto your left heel and deflecting into the counterfall. I said, it's causing you to spin out on the ball of your foot, and that's why you're pulling every third shot you hit. And he looked at me, and he goes, counterfall? He said, I am not familiar with that term. And I said, Jack, what do you think your arms weigh? And if you if you know Jack, he's he's pretty well informed about everything in the world. So he stood there and stared at his arms for 10 or 15 seconds. He looked at his right arm, then he looked at his left arm, and he looked back at his right arm again, and finally looked at me and said, I have no idea. And I said, well, that's curious, considering that you know within a gram of what your club weighs, yet your arms comprise at least 95% of the weight of the extension system that comes off your body that's comprised of your two arms and your club. I said, in my opinion, you have maybe 27, 28 pounds of arms. He said, what? I said, yeah, flesh and bone is heavy. Have you never tried to pick up somebody that was passed out? Yeah. He said, yeah, come to, th- come to think of it, it is. I said, you know what a 12-pound bass feels like, don't you? He said, yeah, it's heavy. I said, well, each one of your arms is heavier than that. I said, if you took a 25-pound barbell disc and tied a rope through it and tied the other end around your neck and swung it in front of you, what's it going to do? He said, it's going to pull me toward my toes. I said, that's exactly what's happening in your downswing. You're starting the downswing from a stable position instead of landing instead of allowing your arch of your left foot to collapse and drop onto your heel and deflect into the counterfall, I said, your arms, he says, oh, I see, as my arms are coming down, they're, I'm not deep enough, and they're pulling me toward my toes. So that's exactly why you're pulling. It's, he said, what do I have to do? I said, you cannot use the strength of that left foot for stability. When you unweight your left side, as you move back into your, as you shift your weight and move back there, as you complete your backswing, you have to allow the heel to go down and allow your body to deflect off vertical, just like a rotary place kicker. He stepped back on the next shot, and the heel goes down. It impact on all the shots I had seen in in the first 20 balls he hit, it impact his left heel was an inch off the ground. Looked like right. Lexi Thompson hitting the golf ball. And he allowed the left foot to drop. His heel went down. He counterfell, and his 
body turned right through the shot, and he just lasered it right over the flight. And he did it again wow. and again, never pulled another shot. He said, he looked at me and says, holy cow. He said, I have totally misunderstood what they mean by hitting against the firm left side. I'm trying to hit against that leg instead of turning over it properly. He thanked me and he wow. left and he came back the next morning before the last round and he was just in a bubbly mood. He said, well, Gary Player and I had dinner last night. He, he said, we talked about that very thing all through dinner. He said that very issue has ruined Jack Jr. as a player. And he started warming up and he goes all the way down through the bag. And the night before, he'd only hit a five iron. And he goes all the way down through his clubs. And he said, God, I feel so free and easy that I wish I could go play a practice round today before I have to uh, uh, play play this last round. I needled him a little bit. I said, just go tee it up. He'll tighten up when you get out there. And he looked like, yeah, you don't know who you're going to, do you? And he gets down to the driver, and he hits about oh, he hits about four or five drivers, and he just lasers them about 280 yards. He said, "God, that felt so good. That makes me want to hit it hard." I said, "Well, cut it loose." And he hauls off, and he dead pulls it twice, and he clouded up like a Florida afternoon. He said, "Well, I didn't like that." And I said, "Jack." When you're going to increase your arm speed coming down, when you're going to swing harder, you have to give it a little more time and the change of direction so that your counterfall has the opportunity to go deeper. Otherwise, the increase in arm speed, he interrupted me. He said, oh, I see the faster my arms go, the deeper I have to counterfall to keep from being pulled out of plane by the weight of my weight and speed of my own arms. I said, now you understand the counterfall. He drew back on the next three shots and flew them about 310 on a laser. <laughs> Thank wow. me, walked to the first tee and went out there in a howling windstorm and shot 67 in the last round. Missed it from seven feet at number nine for birdie and from three feet at number 10. He went from 10th to 3rd, and he should have won the golf tournament. Two weeks later, he went to Augusta and almost won for the seventh time there. Wow. So, what an inc- Yeah, what an incredible story. You know, and it was, and again, yeah, it, it was the most, probably the most fun golf lesson I've ever given was that, you know, that day working with him. But, fortunately, uh, yeah, fortunately, you know, um, it had a happy ending because obviously, you know, as we all know from from watching, uh, and of course we don't see it all on TV, but uh, he can he can growl with the best of them. Uh, I've I've heard that many many times. So, um, you know, it, it's it's just you know this is the thing, and this really goes back to what I was starting to talk about earlier, um, David, and that is you know when you when you look at the tour players back at that time, you know what they worked on and what they really thought about, I think is, is much different. Now it's, it seems to be more about getting into a certain position or, or what have you. What in your estimation, when you look at tour players of Jack's a, uh, you know, uh, uh, time frame, if you will, uh, to today's players, what do you see the, the main difference? Well, players 
I think players back then, they, you know, we didn't have as many coaches back then. Players developed more by field. People, you know, people that have great, great technique that is not understood. People like Jim Furyk. I mean, he's not given credit for the quality of golf swing he has. He's what is he, the third all-time leading money winner? And people don't realize that, you know, here's a golf swing that is technically ideal. You, you, the golf, the golf swing, in my opinion, and I, you know, I'm not saying this to, to impugn anybody out there that's teaching the game. Everybody that teaches the game is trying to help people. Sure. The, the golf. The golf swing is a complicated mechanism. There are very uh, there are a number of disciplines involved in understanding how to apply power in an ideal manner. This is what got me started doing research in the first place because I had learned that there were I had learned this from Jim Stra or uh, Strasbaugh, Bill Strasbaugh years and years ago studying square to square that there were multiple ways of applying power in the golf one. But they, he never delineated which one was ideal. And I thought, well, I mean, I can demonstrate five different ways to apply power to a golf ball for you, and every one of them has produced major tournament winners. But I, I wasn't satisfied with that. I said, well, if you have five different ways of powering a golf shot, which one of them is ideal, both from a physics and a physiological perspective? And that's what I couldn't find the answer to that question anywhere. And I, and that's what prompted me to start doing research on the golf swing. And the players that have learned how to partner with gravity are the ones that have swings that are the easiest on the human body and that are the most mm -hmm. repeatable year in and year out. And those players have the greatest longevity in the swing. You can tell you, we have players that are 80 years old that we work on that can still go out there and produce very, very uh, adequate power in the golf swing by using their mass on it. It's incredibly important for women. You take a woman that has, you know, a guy has the physiological development of his shoulders and arms to go out there and beat the ball around the golf course with a golf with his with his strength. You take a woman with little bitty wrists and hands and no shoulder strength, she has to know how to move the golf ball with her arc size and her timing and her pounds. Otherwise, she can't break an egg. Right. You watch, you watch my wife is well into her 60s, and she can still go out there and just pound the driver and look like she's barely swinging at it. If you look at her on my, on my DVDs, you, people watch her swing the golf club, and they, I mean, their eyes go wide open, <laughs> their mouths drop open, and they go, how can that little bitty gal get up and hit the golf ball like that? And they don't realize that there's a recipe to doing it. If you understand how it works, it takes us, we take an adult, and if they know how to practice correctly, 
any healthy adult can be at professional distance within 60 to 90 days if they know how to practice correctly, and it only takes them about 10, 12 minutes a day for four days a week. If you, you can stand out there, and if you're using your muscles in the downswing, you, I promise you, you can stand there and hit golf balls for a 1,000 years, and you will not hit one golf ball like Freddie Couples because that's not what he's doing. Right. His arms in the downswing are as soft as rags, but they people don't see that because the arms in the delivery, the arms come hauling through, but they are the movies, not the movers. And that's the thing that is so difficult for the camera or the naked eye to differentiate. They can't see. You watch Freddie swing, and it's visually undetectable to see where the power is coming from in his golf swing. If you don't understand how it works, you out there, God, I've gone to the practice tee a thousand days in my lifetime and just dumped my golf balls on the ground and going, well, what the hell is it going to be today? Right. <laughs> Every day, it was something different. And if you tell me you've had a different experience, I'll call you a liar. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Every, you know, and, everybody that plays this game has is, is gone through that. Right. And, and, you know, what what's interesting, too, is, you know, what we've seen in the past um, with a lot of our, our, our high handicappers, if you will, uh, is they'll go out there and, you know, they're not doing it in today's um, economy, if you will, just because people's uh, time uh, restraints and that don't allow them to. But, you know, years ago, I can remember people going out and spending, you know, th- easily 30 minutes to an hour, sometimes more, you know, just hitting ball after ball after ball, but not really accomplishing anything. And, you know, I like the fact that you just mentioned a few minutes ago that this is something that really, uh, you know, three, four times a week is, you know, maybe 10, 12 minutes each time. Um, anybody can, can manage to squeeze, you know, 10, even 15 minutes, let's say, uh, for a few days a week uh, if they're doing things properly. And, and obviously if they're getting results, and you know as well as I do, David, we look at the stats don't lie. Um, the handicaps have not come down, uh, but very, very minimal over the last 20, 30 years at least. And golfers are frustrated. They're tired of, of gimmicks. They're tired of, of things that are not uh, yielding results. And I think a lot of it is because they don't understand what, as you said, the golf swing, what really happens in the golf swing. And, uh, you know, again, I, like you, I'm not trying to criticize uh, our fellow professionals out there, but I think sometimes we we try to put people into a box, as I said earlier, and uh, it, it just, you know, you can't do that. You you have to really have a, a better understanding. Um, I want to let everybody know, David, and then we're going to wrap up with uh, another question that I've got for you, but I want to let everybody know um, that you're offering the listeners here on the show uh, a, a great opportunity. Uh, if you go to David's uh, website, uh, gravitygolf.com, uh, he's offering 50% off uh, the first month of the Gravity Golf Challenge uh, online instruction. Uh, simply use coupon code Golf Talk Live. That's Golf Talk Live uh, at uh, checkout, and uh, you'll get uh, up to 50% off the first month of the Gravity Golf Challenge online instruction. So I will remind everybody one more time at the end of the show. Uh, but uh, wait, because we've got a few more minutes here before we wrap up, and I want you to hear 
uh, David's answer to this question. So we've talked about a couple of players, David, uh, Jack, and, and you know, we, we've mentioned uh, Tiger as well uh, out there. Um, what's the difference, you think, between Tiger's game and Jack's game? What is the most noticeable difference? Uh, and obviously they've both been multiple winners uh, at the Masters um, and, and obviously many other events, but uh, what particularly do you notice between the two of their games? Well, um, I mean, both of them, Jack was a fabulous putter. I think Tiger might have had a had, a, had an edge on him and other short shots around the green. I feel that Tiger's strength during his whole career has been his short game. You know, he's gone through a long period of time where he couldn't stand to be outdriven by anybody. You know, he made, I thought, a lot of his iron shots, you know, power was applied in a perfect gravity fashion driver and start combining power sources like the long drive. You know, the long drive guys use every Mm -hmm. power source that's available in their body. And Tiger couldn't stand to be outdriven by anybody. And you watch him pick (laughs) up a driver and all of a sudden he's jumping out of his socks. Now, I think he's, I think he's swung the golf club better uh, in the last six, eight months than I've seen him mm-hmm. swing it in 10 years since he was since he was a kid. He looks like he's finally uh, come to terms with the fact that he's not going to be the longest driver on the tour and realize that hitting it, you know, most people don't realize that hitting it flush is, is preferable to hitting it hard. Everybody right. wants to hit it hard, but, you know, hitting it dead plus in the middle of the club face and hitting it where you're looking will normally yield better results than trying to jump out of your shoes. Right. And I, right. to me, that's the, you know, that's the significant, significant difference between the two of them. Jack, you know, Jack kept his ball in play all the time. He, mm-hmm. he put it in the fairway and he put it on the fat part of the grain, didn't short side himself. And he was a very, a very smart, very smart player. And, but Tiger, Tiger's got the whole package. And, you know, the fact that his short game was so good, he could hit it in, you know, he could hit it in Gafuli land and still get it up and down. And most, a lot of times make birdie from places other people were lucky to make bogey from. So I don't know yeah, if I'm I can answering remember. your question, but no, no, you you answered it perfectly. You know, when I look back to Tiger uh, in his earlier uh, years out on the PGA Tour, I mean, he did exactly that. You know, you know, he was certainly a long hitter with the driver, but he was not really all that accurate. And I can remember many times, um, and and just in amazement, you know, he would. Uh, sprayed out into uh, you know uh, many times in the right rough or or beyond sometimes into the neighboring fairways um, but he had like you said an incredible um, you know short game and a recovery game uh, so he was able to get away with that and um, you know I think that uh, is a testament really to his uh, his focus and concentration uh, the same as Jack had um, one final question David I've got for you sort of to, to back this up a little bit and that is um, you know, is it possible, you know, because obviously Tiger and, and actually Jack has had not so much injuries in Jack's case. Uh, obviously, he had hip operations uh, in, in uh, you know, a few years back. But uh, Tiger, of course, has had knee injuries, uh, back injuries, and, and so on and so forth. So 
can you still uh, be uh, the greatest player in the world um, and not suffer from physical setbacks? Is that possible? Do you well, think? both those both those guys had periods in their in their careers where they internalized a great deal of their own strength. You know, the injuries that Tigers had, uh, he's brought on himself. Every time you go to the top of the backswing and flex your shoulders and arms coming down, inadvertently you're trying to shear your spine right above your butt. You know, he's torn his left knee apart, done the same thing to his lower back. I mean, you look at the strength that he gained in his body when he went through all that Navy SEAL training. He developed right. all that upper body strength, and he, you know, he couldn't help but want to use it on the golf ball. And he wasn't, and he didn't realize that not only was he using it on the golf ball, he was using it on himself. Every time right. he flexed his arms and shoulders coming down. He was trying to shear his spine, not intentionally, but that's what happens. And you, you can, if you remember back to Jack, you know, his golf swing used to look more upsy-downsy than it looked right. later in his career when it started looking much more level and he quit using, quit combining power sources as much as he did But Jack. Jack did a number on his body, did a number on both of his hips, cortisone to try to try to help the problem or to try to fix the problem and he dissolved his hip joints doing it. Um, you gotta be careful about how you swing the golf club. You know, I watch I watch Michelle Wee and Lexi Thompson swing a golf club or you know, other young players, and I go, well, here's the injuries looking for a place to happen. But yeah. Swinging the golf club incorrectly is hard on your system. But you watch somebody that swings a golf I mean, look at look at Louis Oosthausen swing the golf club. He's my favorite golf swing on the tour nowadays. I mean, mm-hmm. that golf swing wouldn't wouldn't hurt a flea. Because right. <laughs> he's, he's not sending... He's not. He doesn't send energy back into himself when he swings. It all well, and comes I think from the, the all comes from the ground up instead of from the top down. Yeah, and I think this is. I was just going to say very quickly. I think this is the problem. Is so many of them have, you know, of our amateur golfers out there, David, have have focused on what they call the power game, as they feel that they've got a muscle mm-hmm. all around because that, that's really a misunderstanding of of utilizing the power that they have. And, you know, this has caused so many injuries and I think causes so much frustration. You know, you can swing as hard as you want, but if it's not uh, done in, a, in an effective uh, manner, uh, you're not going to get very good results. I mean, I've seen people that can just, you know, throw five yards of sod uh, with their golf club and yet the ball barely goes, uh, you know, any distance at all. And it's just that they're trying to muscle through the shot. As you said there, as you pointed out earlier with Lee, you know, trying to hit uh, the, the golf ball and, and not utilizing uh, the gravity. So um, very interesting well, discussion, best, David. The, I, the, I, the best evidence of that is the fact that how, how difficult it's been for fabulous athletes from other sports when they take up golf. The problem is they're all covered up with muscle and their impulse mm-hmm. when they swing a golf club to use that muscle 
on the golf ball and without realizing that they're using it on themselves as well. I mean, they have athletes have as much difficulty with golf as other people because of not swinging correctly. No, you're exactly right. Well, well, I, David, I appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been uh, very interesting and very uh, enlightening. And and uh, I want to remind everybody of a special offer that you're giving to the listeners here tonight uh, on Golf Talk Live. And mm-hmm. uh, David is encouraging you to visit his website, gravitygolf.com, and uh, sign up for the Gravity Golf Challenge online instruction. He's giving you 50% off the first month. Uh, Simply use Golf Talk Live at, at checkout, and you will get that 50%. So I strongly urge you, uh, we're going to wrap up here. So now you can go ahead and, and head over to uh, gravitygolf.com, enter promo code Live, and get 50% off the first month of the Gravity Golf Challenge online instruction uh, with David Lee. David, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, also a special thank you to Jeremy for uh, setting this uh, meeting up, if you will. Thank you, Jeremy. I know you're listening tonight. I really appreciate it. And, uh, David, I'd love for you to come back on sometime, anytime you want. Well, I I appreciate you having me on. I'd love to uh, come back and talk to you about the yips. You know, I was, I've done <laughs> research on the yips for 42 years and finally figured out exactly what causes them and how to fix them in anybody. We can cure anybody the yips within 30 minutes. And that's a whole well, different discussion, but a fun one. Well, let's. Uh, uh, I will take you up on that offer, and we'll we'll arrange that uh, uh, that next meeting because you're exactly right. That's a topic that uh, we don't hear a lot about uh, in in instruction. Certainly not uh, in this day and age. But uh, we can talk about a number of players. I can think of it probably uh, five or six off the top of my head uh, that suffered that very thing. So. Um, in their career. So, David, again, thank you very much for uh, joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure and an honor having you on the show, and uh, I look forward to coming on and and uh, continuing the discussion. Well, thank you, Ted. My pleasure as well. You have a great evening. Thank you very much, David. Okay, you too. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, David Lee, former PGA Tour professional, and creator of Gravity Golf Training System. And uh, again, I'm just going to remind everybody, if you go to gravitygolf.com and enter in promo code GOLFTALKLIVE or coupon code GOLFTALKLIVE, David is offering to the listeners of the show 50% off their first month of the Gravity Golf Challenge online instruction uh, training system, if you will. And uh, I would strongly suggest, uh, if you're just joining the program, that you go back and listen to the recorded version uh, of the show and listen to some of the points that he talked about and some of the uh, very well-known pros I'm sure you are familiar with if you've been around golf any length of time that he's uh, helped with some very useful tips. So on that note, I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning into the broadcast. And don't forget, uh, there will be one more show in in um, February uh, with just uh, my special guest, interview guest. And then beginning March 5th, Uh, We'll be bringing back uh, the Coach's Corner panel and uh, going to the full show, uh, which is two hours from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. So once again, thank you, uh, David Lee, for for joining me tonight. And I look forward to you guys joining me next week here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. 
Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. Or listen on any of the following social media platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.